That's right. Welcome in. Welcome back to a you-know-what-they-say-about-teams-going-from-week-one-to-week-two edition of the Always Irish Show. As always, thank you for joining me. And by the way, we have a lot of new listeners. The numbers are good on the shows from last week. Sub count rising. Thank you to everybody who decided to join. Always Irish as the season got started. Let's go on this journey together, shall we? So I appreciate all the new people. YouTube, hit subscribe if you haven't already. Twitter, search bar, Always Irish or at JKZND4. Emails, alwaysirishnd at gmail.com. Audio only anywhere you want me, you could get me. Merch link below in the description. So, here we are, entering week two after a stressful but victorious week one in a very hostile environment and in a lot of tough conditions, okay? What they always say, what I've always heard, what I've always read is that teams make the biggest improvement jump between games one and two. You work out the kinks from the first game. You see what worked, what didn't work. You adjust some things, move some guys around. You have film of an actual game of your personnel, all that kind of stuff. I always hear it. I always read it. I hope to God that phrase holds true for our beloved Irish. There's a lot to clean up. And we're doing so against a sneaky opponent, by the way. This is tricky. This is a little bit sneaky. It shouldn't be, but it is. I say this all the time. I talk about Notre Dame's schedule all the time. A lot of these teams can afford to build Notre Dame up as their Super Bowl. No offense to Toledo, but it's their Super Bowl And they're the lowest level team on the Notre Dame schedule. I don't know how else to say it. I'm not being rude. I'm not not downgrading what Toledo is or who they are. But it's just the reality. You look at Notre Dame and you see these brand names they play. Toledo's just not one of them. So that's dangerous. That's real dangerous. Anybody remember Ball State a couple years back? We're in that territory, except this team has more talent and experience and athletes than Ball State. So don't laugh, but after what I saw last week, I'm not overlooking Toledo. I want to, but I can't do it. Notre Dame doesn't allow me to do it. I would if we beat the brakes off Florida State and look good and look sharp. But I don't have that level of trust and comfort right now. So everybody needs to keep that in mind when you just see Toledo and keep it moving. If you're not going to tackle and you're not going to block, anything can happen against anybody. So, yes, you're not in a hostile environment. You're coming back home. It's nice and warm and comfortable and everybody loves you. There's no more, I get it. Those are all benefits. But you got we got a lot to clean up here. We have a lot to clean up. Okay? So I am 
open to the idea of trying to be positive and say, we'll see that big jump week one to week two, straighten some things out, we're off to the races. I have my own personal doubts on how that, how likely that improvement is in certain areas. Rewatching the game a couple times, the Florida State game, there are certain things that I think are easier to fix than others in terms of the negatives that we saw occur in the Florida State game. So, and we're going to get into that. Some of these issues are easier to fix than others. Some of them I don't have a good answer to. And that makes me very nervous. That makes me very nervous. So, sneaky opponent. I'm hoping to see that jump in quality of play from week one to week two. And make sure, by the way, everybody, tell your dad, tell your grandpa, tell your grandma, they got to get on the peacock this week. This is the peacock week. And after the stress I went through last week, the last thing I need is to worry about my login to watch the game. Channel 5. Give me Channel 5. I got enough to worry about when Notre Dame plays than that I won't even be able to see it enough to be mad at it. Here's the other thing. I think my TV that's smart, I'm dumb, the TV's smart, has this app built into it. Great. I tried to get on there, and it's all this stuff, and it's entering a third party, this and that. How are you supposed to, oh, Notre Dame's in a seven-minute NBC timeout. I'm going to flip it to another game. You can't even do that because you got to exit the app, and then that takes time to load and exit it just to go to the other game. Then you got to log back into that. Just give it to me on channel five, damn it. Love it as an option. Hate it as a requirement. Call me a boomer, an old man, whatever you want. I got enough stress following this program. What channel the game's on shouldn't be one of them. Channel five. I digress. So I'm hoping to see that improvement from week one to week two. And listen, some people are saying to me in response to my Florida State post-game video, John, it's game one. You're being too hard on them. Things don't always look right. Go great. You know, week one. Well, I saw a lot of other teams where it did. Better players, better prepared, better coaching. I don't know why, maybe, whatever. But I saw a lot of teams that were coming out a lot sharper than we are. Here's the pushback I have about this. It was only week one, relax, John Angle. It is not just week one in a vacuum. It is week one of year 12. This, this is a puzzle piece in the, the grander scale mosaic of the Kelly era. By year 12, I just hope we're not in that situation game one, night one. Too rocky. Just too rocky for me. You got my blood pressure in a dangerous level and it's only been one week. We got a long way to go, quite frankly. So... Make sure you get your peacock on after letting the initial emotions of the Florida State game subside 
I've been doing some thinking, some analyzing, re-watching things. I've had that game on DVR every three minute. I'm watching it, looking at what happened. And quite frankly, I feel the exact same way about it as I did when I initially did my show and reacted to it live. A lot of it is just year 12. It can't be this in year 12. I don't care about game one. It's year 12. And you got to come... You gotta come come with a tighter operation after 12 years. I'm sorry. Pieces have moved. Players are come and go. New coaches. I know all that, but Kelly's Kelly. I just I guess I don't get it. What's the difference between like the way we played Michigan opening a home game in 2018, played really sound, tackled well, did enough to win the game, may I, I and this. What's the difference in mentality or preparation? Because it just, it's been wearing on me. It's been wearing on me and stressing me out. But this is a good week to try and work things out and get into a better spot as we enter the meat of our schedule, which is coming soon. There's a five-game stretch of this schedule. I believe every one of those teams is ranked in a row. You got a bye week in there somewhere, but you got five ranked games in a row. So you got a couple more games to work out whatever you need to work out personnel-wise, package-wise, play-wise, mentality-wise, whatever it is. Whatever it is, you got a couple more, and then things get very real very, very fast. Very real very fast. So... While I am still frustrated at a lot of what transpired last week, I'm open to the idea that we very well may likely see a much tighter operation this week in a friendlier environment against a less talented athletic opponent. Now, at the same time, I said it before, this is the Ball State game, but against better skill and talent, it's their Super Bowl and if you had to rank your excitement level for the games, Toledo would be dead last on every single Notre Dame fan's list. I'm sorry. It's not an assault to them. It's not an insult to them. Nobody could deny it. They're not USC. They're not Florida State. They're not. They're not. They're a MAC team, okay? Here's the deal, though. If Notre Dame sleepwalks here, this is going to get bad. This is going to get really, really bad if Notre Dame sleepwalks. You cannot afford to do that sleepwalk routine we did against Ball State. You're going to lose this game if you do that. You're going to lose this game if you operate that way, come out that way. You just are. This team has way more talent than that Ball State situation. Toledo, 49-10 to winners week one over the power that is Norfolk State. I don't know. A lot of damage done on the ground. Okay. They ran it for five, almost five and a half, 250 yards on the ground. We gave up 265 last week. They had three different quarterbacks play. Carter Bradley did most of the throwing. Eight for 12 for 183 yards. Here's the deal with this Toledo squad. The offense was second in the MAC last year. And they return everybody from that offense except for one tight end. 
They averaged 500 yards a game and 35 points in 2020. Now, when I'm giving you these statistics, it is a little bit tricky because in your mind, you're like, okay, second in the MAC. Like, it's hard to compare power five stats and numbers to MAC team stats and numbers. But it is what it is. And within that framework, number two offense, and they return everybody except for one tight end. Okay? This offensive line is really pretty darn strong for a MAC team. Daquan Finn, one of the quarterbacks, led the team in rushing last week. Nine carries for 82 yards. That's something to keep an eye on in terms of containment and wrapping up and tackling and not letting a guy get yards after you contact them. Those were all things we struggled with mightily last week. You're going to have the same problem here. You let this kid run around. You can't wrap him up. Same issues. You're in a bad spot. Don't let it happen. Wide receiver Maddox, two catches last week for 91 yards. One of them was an 84-yarder. Again, I don't want to say it, but Notre Dame gave up, gave up a huge bomb last week. Can't let it happen again. This kid's capable of it, okay? The defense last year was second in the MAC, allowed 24 points a game, all starters returning. All starters returning. So now, yes, it's a MAC team. It isn't the competition Notre Dame plays week in, week out. But now you got a MAC team bringing back pretty much every single player on both sides of the ball, and they were second in the MAC last year. And they're bringing all those guys back. So for a MAC team, if you sleep on them, I'm telling you that reaction, my reaction to the Florida State game is nothing compared to what's going to happen if we sleepwalk through this game. I don't even want to think about it, okay? But it is dangerous for Notre Dame, especially the shakiness we saw in week one in certain areas. We must avoid ball state syndrome. If Notre Dame sleepwalks against Toledo, and somehow loses this awesome home game winning streak to Toledo, I am going to expire live on the air. My head's just going to pop off my body. That'll be it. Live on the air, if that's how this goes down. So, look at it this way. Perhaps the fact that Notre Dame knows how much work it has to do and how much there is to clean up will help rein in the focus this week. Maybe that's a positive angle on this. It's not like anybody involved with Notre Dame, fans, players, coaches, could come riding into this Toledo game, you know, all high and mighty, like you have it all figured out and you're on cruise control. That's not the case. That's just not the case. Notre Dame can't afford to overlook anybody when you have 20 missed tackles week one, give up a bomb pass for a touchdown and a gash run for a touchdown, and on the offensive side can't block a run play at all, at all. I don't care who you play. I'm concerned. So 
it is a step down in overall talent, but you got to play good ball or you're going to be in a dogfight against Toledo. Win or lose, I am not in the mood in year 12 of a coaching regime to be in a dogfight with Toledo at home. Spare my blood pressure and take care of business and work some things out. Work some things out. It's about the best chance you have to do so before you hit the meat of this schedule. Okay? So, we covered Toledo. Some of their players, some of their statistics. MAC team, really, really good for a MAC team. Okay? Now, here's where it gets real fun. Let's flip the script over to the Notre Dame side and go over five things I'm looking for for the offense, five things I'm looking for out of the defense. All right. Let's start with the offense first. I have a very serious question for number one. Can the offensive line settle in a little bit at home and create some running lanes and gain some confidence this week? Yes, Toledo is good for a MAC team. These are not Florida State's athletes or roster. You're at home against a lesser opponent. I understand you lost Fisher. You just got to deal. You got to deal. Find some run plays you can execute and build some confidence in this week. Averaging two yards a carry is not O-line you. It's P-U as in you stink. So, I need to see them gain some confidence here. I think that's a big deal. Find some running plays. You could execute the blocking and let our talented, athletic, and fast running backs do what they need to do. So that's number one. Number two, after seeing the way the offensive line run blocked week one, how does Tommy Reese adjust? More creative pass plays, find run plays that they can execute and shift over the run plays, pass more, or keep running into a wall. I don't get it. I don't get it, but I don't like it. So how are you going to adjust? Because here's the deal. It's a part of Notre Dame's identity under Kelly and and Reese. They want to run the ball. They're not going to turn into an air raid no matter what. I fully embrace, understand, and appreciate the desire to want to be able to power run the football. At the same time, you got to do enough to win. So you have a balance there of how many times are you going to be stubborn and want to run it into a wall for no yards versus rolling out and throwing the ball because you got to win the game. That's the equation we're looking at here. Oh, John, you're exaggerating, blah, blah, blah. That's what you do. No, 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 no. 72% of the run plays in the game one, our running back was hit at or behind the line of scrimmage. 72% of the run plays, our back was hit at or behind the line of scrimmage. One run of more than 10 yards, and it was a 12-yarder. 
I'm not exaggerating. It wasn't good. In fact, it was really bad. So forgive me that for a place that everybody brags about being O-line you, that I find it completely unacceptable in year 12, you're running the ball for two yards carry. And three out of every four times you run the ball are guys getting hit behind the line of scrimmage. Not here for it. Have no patience for it. Hate it. Hate it. Figure something out, O-line you. Figure it out. You either are that or you aren't that. It doesn't get to move one year or the other. So, that's number two. How does Reese adjust the plan based on the struggles we had last week? It's a tricky dynamic. We all want to be able to power run the ball, but I want to win the game more than I want to run the ball. So, I just don't know how many times you're going to hand it off into a wall before you just, you got to start passing it just to win. Bad spot to be in. Hate it. Absolutely hate it. And it was my number one biggest concern of the offseason was the offensive line. They hold the key to the upside potential this entire offense. Cones, fine. Running backs, tight ends, great. You don't block, there's a cap on what you could do. It's that simple. It's that simple. Some of our individual players are good enough that they're going to make plays. But on a large scale as a program, as a team, if you can't run the ball at all, you're limited in what you could do. So I pray that we see some better results this week. Number three, the cone zone. I thought he was really good week one. He wasn't a reason we were almost losing that game. He was held back by the offensive line, just like the running backs, receivers, and tight ends were. So he did what he could with the collapsing pocket most of the time and no time to do anything. He's not book. He's not going to be escaping, running around in circles, and running and gaining 15 yards. That's not his game. But if you could protect him even a little bit, he's fine. He's fine. I have no problems with Cone, except I feel bad for him that he doesn't have the time he deserves. So let's see if we have a little bit more time back there this week for Cone to be able to operate because it could be really exciting if he has time. And if he doesn't, it's just going to be ugly. In week one, we had eight passes that went for 20 or more yards. That's already 20% of last year's total of those plays. So it wasn't all bad week one, but the parts that were bad are a big deal. That's how I'll put it. That's how I'll put it. So Cone's fine. I just want him to have more time to be able to analyze and deliver and make his progressions. Do I ask that much? from O-line you, that you could provide him that? Give me a break. Number four, wide receivers, tight ends, even the receivers, Tyree Williams, keep catching passes and do whatever you can when you get the ball. I felt bad for those guys running last week. Any yardage they got adding up to our total of 65 was all them. 
No blocking. Them dragging people making moves. They weren't getting any help. So we have a lot of skill in those groups, but you need blocking for it to look right. So wide receivers, tight ends, keep getting open. Keep making the plays you can. Catching passes. Doing what you could do. Doing what you could do. In that same vein, I feel bad for the running backs. I just, I just do. It's not their fault. They're not getting any blocking. There's only so much you can do on your own as a back when your offensive line can't move anybody and they can't block anybody. It's the worst place to be as an offense with a bunch of weapons and a new system you want to develop and get going and you can't run the ball. Ruins the whole thing. It ruins the whole thing. It's going to be a struggle all year if we don't see this jump week one to week two. Okay? Number five, continue to get Tyree and Williams involved in the passing game. I love that. They're both good at it. We saw more of it week one. I've been asking for more of it in the offseason. Keep doing that. I love it. And it's a good way to utilize those guys in ways other than the run game, which as we covered has not been effective. Not been effective. Now, again, the offensive line has always been and is the key to making this offense look the way we want it to look. Unfortunately, this is the hardest unit to fix, and that is very, very frustrating. You have the injuries, four new faces even before the injuries, or the Go into the league, you had four guys already that were going to be new. Now we got the injury. I get it. I know that's a tough position to be in. I don't need you to be perfect, but I can't have you blocking for two yards of rush all game either. And three out of every four plays, our guy can't even get to the line of scrimmage. That's, it's just not okay. It's just not okay for where this program fancies itself in the pantheon of college football right now. Not good enough. Figure it out. Let's flip over to the defense, shall we? Here's the deal. I'm still taking major heat on Freeman and all that. I deserve it. That's fine. I'm not throwing the towel in on the guy after one week. But keep the tweets coming. Keep the messages coming. Voicemails telling me to burn the Freeman Factor shirts, all of it. Bad opening night. He deserved it. I'm hurt. I just hope it's better this week. Defensively, number one, fundamentals. I was reading 20 missed tackles week one. 20. 2-0. It's disgraceful. Like, there's, there's nothing. It's disgraceful. Week one. 20 missed tackles. It's unacceptable. It's offensive. And I don't understand how it even happened. 20. So number one is fundamentals defensively. Wrap up when you get to a guy. Tackle. Be in your spot. Be in your area. Be in your lane. Gap integrity. Get some. Number two. Linebacker depth and performance. Injuries are now a major issue at a position we once considered a few weeks ago a position of strength and depth. Now they got multiple injuries they're dealing with, and I got to tell you, 
a lot of those bad run fits and missed tackles of the 20 were in the linebacker group. Tighten it up. Tighten it up. I know it's tough with the injuries and all that stuff. Put Prince Kali out there. Let's see what he could do as a youngster. I don't care. Give me somebody who's going to tackle and wrap up. Number three, Freeman scheme. That three-man front sticking with it while we continue to get gashed and all that. I don't get it. I don't understand it. It made no practical or philosophical sense to me whatsoever. I know the guy's smarter than that, so I just don't get that whole dynamic. It was really bad. Figure it out. Do something differently this week. That idea wasn't working. Don't go back to it. Number four, limit the big plays this week. No bomb 80-yard touchdowns over your head or gap-gash run that just crushes your soul. That was one thing about the Clark Lee defense. You always knew if a team was going to score on us, it wasn't going to be fast. They were going to have to work their way down the field to be pretty efficient. We didn't see that last week. We were giving up plays you don't, you don't usually see a Notre Dame defense give up. Tighten it up. No big gashes this week. Number five, finish, finish, finish. Especially in the first half early on in the Florida State game. We were getting good penetration. We were around the ball carrier a lot. Nobody could wrap up. Nobody finished. Nobody fit well, maybe Foskey. Foskey finished, even Pryor finished a few times. But broadly speaking, I need guys to finish. Penetration doesn't mean anything if you don't tackle the guy. You don't get credit for just being around him. Tackle, wrap up, hit somebody. I don't get it. I just don't get it. This is supposed to be the strength of the program, and it tighten it up. If we look the same way we did last week against Toledo, I'm I'm just going to die right on the air. I'm just going to stroke out and croak out. There's no doubt I can't handle it. Now, as opposed to the issues with the offensive line, I think the defense is a lot easier to fix. Shore up some of that scheme and figure out why we stuck in something that wasn't working too long. I just have to philosophically believe from my experience in football. I just have to believe that tackling is going to look better week two than week one. I I just do. Getting caught back up to game speed, whatever it is. Whatever it is, I just, I got to feel like that part's going to be better this week. If it isn't, I, I'm, I'm just, I'm going to lose my mind entirely. Lose my mind. Tighten it up. Special teams, keep making your kicks, okay? Keep making your kicks. We wouldn't win the game without it. Clutch kicks by door, keep it up. I would like, I'm going to throw out a wild idea to you guys. This is crazy. This is just bizarre stuff, but follow me. 
maybe, just maybe, when your offense is struggling a little bit, you can't run the ball and, and whatnot, maybe letting one of your really fast, good players return a kick or a punt would be helpful. It's just an idea. They're really fast. You're allowed to return kicks and try and score or flip the field in half. You're allowed to try that. Maybe this week we could give it a shot. What do you think? So, in my opinion, based off what we saw week one, these defensive issues are much easier to shore up than the offensive issues. That offensive line, there's no easy fix, guys. They just have to be better. There is no easy, quick fix to offensive line problems. All it takes is four guys to do their job, one to not, and the play's ruined. Okay? So, that group has a lot of work to do and a lot of improvement, and I have... No patience for waiting for it. None. Zero patience. Your O-line you, give me a group that could block. It's that simple. If your O-line you, give me guys that could run block. I don't think I'm asking for too much after a dozen years that you have guys behind the guys you lost that are ready to play and can block people. Nobody is going to tell me I'm asking for too much. Block people. Block them. So, if this is a dogfight struggle at home against Mac Team Toledo, you guys, this is uh-oh time. Even if we win, but it's like a struggle most of the time, we're, we got problems. We got problems. Um that would not bode well for when you get into that five-game stretch against solid teams. So I'm really hoping, and I'm reserving hope on the glass half full end. I'm trying to be more positive that, that we will see that uptick from week one to week two. But I have my doubts. I have my doubts. That game last week was nowhere near the quality of play I expected to see. Nowhere. And we still did a lot of good things. It was still nowhere near where I wanted it to be, where I was envisioning. Sorry. Sorry. Put up a lot of points. That's awesome. Keep doing it. There were high points, but, but the lows took away from them when I'm looking at the big picture, what this team could accomplish. Can't run block. You're going nowhere. You can't tackle. You're going nowhere. These are just football 101 basics. And I had no patience to sit around since January worried about this game, and then that's the product. I just have no patience for it. Can't handle it. Cannot handle it. So most teams improve the most they're going to between week one and week two. We are about to test that theory on the Peacock Network. I certainly hope the post-game show is a lot more relaxing for me to do than the last one. Enjoy the game. If you can log into your peacock. <laughs>